I noticed that when I would plant in my garden, when I'd get down on my hands and knees and till the soil with my hands, I was working outside. And usually when you work outside, you get tired and you get sunbaked. But I would get invigorated. You are listening to And If Love Remains, a unique show spotlighting people, ideas, science, culture, and art. Your host, Mike Lovett. Lovett. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to that great podcast in the sky, And If Love Remains. This is Mike Levitt, your sometimes virtuous, occasionally vile, always virile host. And with your help, we will go viral by you doing that thing that you do. Subscribe and share. Um, I have with us the man, the machine, the legend, Benjamin Hyde. So good to have him back. I think this is your third time on the show, and and, uh, this is going to be a great show. I'm very excited to have you on. Thanks for for being here, man. Hello. <laughs> you called me a machine, man. I got to go with it. <laughs> That's right. I like that, man. That's good. That's good. Oh, well, this is, it's funny. I, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, um, I sent you a video um, kind of leading into um, what we want to talk about, um, about some exciting developments and in, in energy and and um, it got me thinking, and you 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 replied back to me. We had a nice little conversation. I want to talk about that, but it made me, got me really thinking about like um, there's so much in this world that we can really complain about, that we can be upset about, and, and frankly, rightfully be angry about. Um, but you know, when it comes to certain things, especially in in the world of of science and technology, there's some really exciting developments that that might be, you know, we, I know a lot of times we talk about, about us being in the information age, but I think we're, we might be moving into like the energy age, this energy revolution that's happening. I um, hope so. I, I hope you're absolutely right. And I think yeah. there's a lot of evidence for that, to be honest. I, I think you're right too. There's so many amazing things that, that people are doing. And I wanted to talk about some of the new technologies and some of the new discoveries and, and things that people are doing. Um, I'm kind of one of those suckers that if, if anything that comes, you know, comes across my feed that talks about like, Hey, have your car run on water or, or, you know, anything like that, <laughs> I'm going to click on it and see what the heck they're talking about. Right. Um, but, uh, but, uh, you know, these are some legitimate stuff that that's really happening. And, and, uh, um, where, where, how do you want to begin? Where do you want to start with, with some of these things? There's three that I kind of have in mind, but, but what, what are the things that are exciting you? Well, let's start with that water car because I've got a couple stories for you on okay. that. So you sent me that. Why don't you tell everybody what you sent me, and then we'll launch from there. Absolutely. So, so I sent you um, a video by oh, I just lost his name for a second. Oh my gosh. Um, Let me see if I can find him because I remember watching that. Yeah. Oh, James Tour, Doctor James Tour, okay. and. And, uh, Dr. Tour is, um, he's probably from what I've gathered and, and his, his, his reputation is, um, in nanotechnology. He's a, he's a, um, he's a chemist. He's a, um, and he specifically, he builds companies to help with, um, um, oh, the, 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 um, he builds, he builds machines and he, and he, and he builds things out of carbon but it's not carbon it's called something else <laughs> it is called let's see i think he was working on H graphing there we go graphing right so he he builds he so he makes and he's really well known for for um doing things with graphene and making graphene out of um you know many times anything that's that's made out of carbon that's where i got a little bit confused you know even uh, trash and, and plastics and, and things like that. Like he's, he's, his, apparently his technologies are, are pretty incredible. And, and he is a, a scientist that talks that, that does, um, um, that works out of a university. He also has companies. I mean, this is not a, a slip shop kind of guy. Um, and what excited me is he, he put out a video saying, um, that he could demonstrate a method for for 
for creating um, hydrogen, you know, what he calls, you know, free and clean green energy alternative through the making of graphene. And um, which is exciting, really exciting, because I think I think hydrogen is one of those alternative fuel sources um, that has kind of been put on the back burner for and I think the reason why is because it's so difficult to um, to move around and to transport and 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 things like that. But uh, um, but this was think, exciting to me. Right, I, I, it's very combustible to be sure. Yes. But as far as difficult to make, I don't. It's not that difficult to make. Now, it as far as a cost expense it might be more difficult but it's been made it was used in the apollo program if i remember right and then i've actually had friends who have used electrolysis not the same method that james tour has used but have have just built these devices and brought them out and played with them they're actually it's actually terribly easy to split water into oxygen and hydrogen. Okay. So, so so then the problem, and he did talk about that, how the cost, how one of the things he was excited about is that he could get that cost down. The cost down. Exactly. Yeah. To, to, you know, pennies on the dollar basically. And and I wonder how much of that is because uh, this is one of the the comments I think I made to you is, you know, he's doing this in conjunction with making graphene and because graphene is so expensive, um, I mean, it's, it's thousands of dollars per sheet and, uh, um, and so incredibly useful that, that, that cost basically like it, it, because it's a waste product from the making of graphene, it, it's almost yeah. a, 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 that kind of subsidized the cost a lot is that's kind of the impression I got. It was, uh, it was an interesting video to be sure. And if anybody looks up him up on Google, or any other search engine, you'll see a lot of information that comes. And that may not be for everyone's taste. Right. Because he's got, he's got some of his own uh, personal opinions that he adds into the science, which, you know, may or may not be your cup of tea. But if you just right. can stick with the science, you might find some stuff there that's quite interesting. Right. And, and, you know, and, and you're right. I mean, he's, he's certainly, he's a, he's a Christian. He's not, he's not shy about it at all. He's unabashed. So, he's right. unabashed with it. Right. In the middle of this video, he's like, Hey, I'll do a zoom call with you. If you don't believe in Jesus, let's, let's talk about this. So, <laughs> that's the I mean, one. I, <laughs> that's so, the one. So I don't, you know, but, but you're right. Like if you just look at the science aspect of it and, and what he's doing from just a, um, and I think the graphing thing is exciting too. Um, but, uh, um, the, the, the idea of, of, of being able to cheaply create hydrogen and, and free it up and, and allow us to use it, you know, potentially. And, and I don't know what the, maybe this might be the theme for the show is one of the things I'm most excited about is you have all these competing technologies that are happening kind of at the same time. And we really don't know what the best case use is for these technologies um, in my opinion. And so as we experiment and as we, as we discover and, and figure out, I mean, who knows, maybe hydrogen can be used better, more for power plants and things like that, where, you know, we'd have fusion cars or something like that. I, I, right. I don't know the answer, but, but I think as we discover, it, it's exciting to have these different technologies competing. You know what I, I've found just personally is the when you sit around and you try and think of ideas of what is the best use for something that's not as effective or as useful as actually getting in and playing with it with your hands and manipulating it. You think that you can create all of the ideas just by thinking about it, doing a a Hercule Poirot. I don't know if you're familiar with Agatha Christie's fictional detective, but he would sit in his chair and think about all the scenarios of all the clues and evidences and that he would come up with, oh, I figured out who the murderer is. That's a fun little story, but I've found it in real life, it's not as effective as actually getting your hands dirty 
and getting yeah. in and playing with stuff. You, there's just something about the tactile response of physically manipulating stuff that engenders and inspires and creates new avenues of thought and, and new avenues of, of things to do. Right. Because, you, you, you know, anyone could sit in a chair, sit in their bed, sit in, in a lab and, and think about it, you know, write equations even and saying, okay, well, <laughs> we'll do thought experiments. But to actually physically get in there with graphene or with hydrogen and, and play around with it. Right. You literally do make breakthroughs by just screwing around. Like, what happens if I add this to it? What happens if I add that to it? What if I tweak it this way? Yep. And, and that's, uh, that's from personal experience. I've done that. Yeah, I know you have. And that's why I love having you on because you are a tinkerer to the nth degree. I love it. And, and that is one of those um, exciting things I think we're going to see over time is, is, you know, how, how people play around with this stuff. And it's the same thing with everything, like in music, you know, there's, you can look at a piece of music all you want or even listen to it all you want, but until you actually play it, you don't understand it. Oh, absolutely! Oh, oh, that's a that's a great example. There was, in fact, let's let's dive into music just a little bit. Sure. When I was in I'm high game. when I was in high school. So I play trumpet. When I was in high school, we learned about improvisation. So there was me on trumpet. I had a friend on tenor sax, and I had a friend on drums, trap set. And we would get after school, get together after school, and have jam sessions. And of course, you and I know a jam session is just where you're making up music as you go. There's no sheet music in front of you. Right. And man, that is just one of the most rewarding times to be a musician is when you, when all of a sudden the flow hits and you're doing your 12 measures and all of a sudden you turn it over to your friend and they feel the transition coming and they take it. And they build upon what you have done. And all of a sudden, there's just a, a magic electricity in the air that you can feel. And you're just playing for like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you feel the ending come and you just all end it together. And no one has said a thing. And it's right there. You've probably, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and and, and that's when you start to learn I think that's when you when you first when you start doing that you realize how much um, music is a language because you do you end up talking to each other, you know through this through this improv process. You and, do, and um, and you know sometimes sometimes you're arguing and and sometimes you're playful <laughs> and sometimes you're I mean it's just a, it's a wonderful experience to be there and and you know when you're when you're in the pocket as they say and things are are flowing well um, it it, it it, it is. It's, it's one of those one plus one equals five moments because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's divine. Right. It's incredible. It's incredible. To, it's an experience that, that, you know, um, you know, I, I'm sure in other fields people can experience, but it's unique in music. Um, it's very visible in music. Yeah. It, it, it's really easy to see. And you're right. Sometimes you do argue, as you say, they don't all, you don't always work. Sometimes you'll finish a piece and you're just like, well, that didn't go so well. <laughs> and it's not like it was horrible, but they're just, the energy wasn't there, but man, when it hits, it hits. And that's really well, fun. And it's exciting because then you start to like, for me, when I started doing that, I looked at music in a whole new way. You know, for example, um, <laughs> you know, I, I realized what composers were trying to do where they were trying to, you know, recreate some of those moments. And, uh, and so for example, if you listen to, one of my favorite examples is if you listen to um, uh, Beethoven's first concerto, which is not, you know, people will not say it's one of his best. And, and, you know, he was young. It was definitely, it sounds almost more like Mozart than Beethoven, <laughs> you know, oh, it's, wow. it's, it, you know, it's, it's, he's, he, yeah, he hasn't quite hit the romantic Beethoven that we all know and love. Um, but when you listen, especially to that first movement, you hear, um, a real back and forth between the piano and the orchestra. And you hear like um, the piano will play and then the orchestra will just cut it off like mid sentence and, <laughs> and continue. And then, the, and then the piano says, no, it's my turn. And, and, you know, it, it becomes a very, you know, anything I can do you or anything you can do, I can do better moment. And, and it's just, <laughs> it's really exciting 
um, to, to, to see the back and forth happen between, you know, this enormous orchestra and, and this single piano player that's competing with it in a real way. It's, it's fun. Um, it really and, is. Uh, speaking yeah, of, it is. Speaking of classical music, one of the really enjoyable things that I found with music is the fusion of styles. And one of my favorite fusions is dubstep with classical. Have you, have you heard this? I have. It's it incredible. Is, oh, it is incredible. It's like they were built for each other. It, it is done so well. Okay, to- I got to find this. Um, because literally just last night, Ben. <laughs> oh, was it really? I, it literally just last night, I was listening to this artist. And I've got to, I mean, look at my history. Um, and it, and I, I was so shocked. Because he only has like, I don't know. 400 subscribers or something like that. Yeah. But I would, I'm going to send you a link cause you, you'll love it. His name is, he's from Germany. Uh, Schallbauer, I think it's his name. Is how you pronounce it. S C H A L L B A U E R. Okay. Um, he did, I mean, he's done several things that I can see. Um, but he did this thing and it's literally called, uh, Schallbauer electric classical music in an old cinema in Berlin. And it, it's this incredible, like, so he's, he's kind of, he's playing with synths and things like that. So he's moving knobs and stuff. And, and then you have a cellist and a violinist and a guitar player. Um, and to me, it was so beautiful. It was just, so I wouldn't call it the mix between dubstep, um, and, uh, and classical, but just those sounds, because a lot of times when you hear uh, classical music mixed with uh, like electronic music, like the electronic, it just sounds like two different worlds. It, it doesn't mix well. Um, but with uh, dubstep's different because you have like those, you have those little wah, 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 you know, that exactly. just, just, just builds up those bases a lot. And there's some cool stuff, but this was just, it was different and beautiful. And I'm going to send it to you. I think, I think you'll enjoy oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, when that, when I first heard that a few years ago, I'm just like, Oh wow. It's, it's like they were made for each other. And yeah. You're right. It's, it's not every version. Not everybody can pull it off just in the same way that the flow doesn't always start when we were improvising. Right. But right. boy, if it hits, it hits hard. It's so good. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that, that makes art art is that you tap into something deeper and more, um, you know, that ESP, I don't know what right. it is, but you, you, you tap into something where, where all this there, um, I can't remember what story I read, but there's a story. It was very interesting where, um, I think it was a sci-fi or fantasy, but, but where somebody's eyes are open and they could see like all the connections that people had to each other. There's like little light beams going to each sure. other, kind of an interesting concept and how some were stronger than others and all this stuff. But you, but when you're in that flow state, man, it's like, it, it's, it's like you have, like, you're not just connected with the people around you, but you're, you're the, 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 you're connected to the audience. You're connected to right. the trees. You're connected like, like everything. <laughs> everything becomes an influence, and that's when art like becomes real and honest, and and you have that artistic integrity that just like makes it, it makes people want to enjoy it. Right. You're not just a the, the the audience and you become one. You're not islands yeah. of humanity. You're all one group and. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. But boy, when it does, it's beautiful. It's, it's magic. A beautiful thing. It is. It's magic. It's what it we, feels uh, like. Um, my my friend Elias and I, we we he's on the show quite a bit. And we we talk a lot about like the the relationship between um, the composer, the artist, and the audience. Like how that dynamic is is so important, and and tapping into that thing um, is really, um, you know it's it's essential to getting a really truly great performance right well there's even a corollary and and as there should be between this and the sapphire project i mean yeah i I realize that's that's a a crazy segue no i'm interested where you're going here man this is good 
when <laughs> they were when they were doing this the sapphire project i don't know if you remember this well you probably do they sent in a langmuir probe into the plasma and they have a video of the langmuir probe vaporizing that's right do you remember that i do remember that and that was exactly they they didn't expect it they, he said they had three different people run the equations to determine whether it was safe to put the Langmuir probe in, you know, whether it was going to be too hot. And all three of them, with the current knowledge of science, says, no, it'll be fine. But they have it on video that they sent that Langmuir probe right up to the surface, whoop, vaporized. And they're like, that shouldn't have happened. Right. Our best knowledge tells us that that shouldn't have happened. There was an excess of energy that was clearly there, demonstrably there, unequivocally there that we didn't know about in the same way that, you know, when we get together in a theater performance or a music performance, we have the flow, the flow state comes and all of a sudden the whole thing is the one plus one equals five event. It's the energy is bigger than any one or even group of people can put together. And that's exactly the way the universe to me should work. If there is a phenomenon in any particular corner, it should manifest in every other corner. This, this whole idea that quantum physics has separate rules for the for the really small and the really big is just stupid. <laughs> I just, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm with to... you. It it's very like, and and I think we've talked about this before. Is like you know my theory of the fractal, <laughs> which right. is not my theory, but the idea that like everything has to work. All if, if something isn't to. working all the way up and all the way down, then we're missing something. Right. Something exactly. is wrong with our theory. It, it's exactly. like. I, I was listening to um, Bob Murphy, who's a uh, uh, he's a, he's a um, uh, economist, but he was he was talking about some of this stuff, and he's a smart guy, and he's just he was talking about the universe. He's like, you know, I don't know what I, I mean. I don't know the answer, but if like if you have to come up with a theory where where over ninety seven or ninety nine percent of the universe is dark energy and dark magic <laughs> that you can't then then I, I suspect there's probably something wrong with the theory, not with with you know what we're measuring. Right. I remember when I first learned about the idea of dark matter, dark energy, it just I, I kind of ran with it. I said, Wow, we really don't know about the universe. Right. And, and I'm thinking that that leaves open a lot of different phenomenon that we call spooky and weird to be there. You know, and then I kind of grew out of that idea. I'm like, really? That's that's really profoundly an ignorant thing to say that we don't know what 97% of the universe is. And then I, I did the research in it and found out what they meant when they said dark matter and dark energy, that it was just a placeholder. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, you've got your equations wrong. You're looking at the wrong way. And right. it just, it all fell apart after that. I'm like, oh. Guys, it's just electricity. It's just charge. And you have completely ignored that in your equations. And so, so so therefore, since you threw that away, you needed another placeholder. Right. And now you're just making stuff up when the answer is right next to you. No, absolutely. It's, it's, you know, in in that same like podcast, he was actually interviewing a guy who was, who was talking about, and then this kind of goes back to, you know, where did we all go wrong? Um, you know, he was interviewing a guy who, who was, um, um, talking about how, how of all things, like, like what of all the things that we have, what do you think could be the least corruptible? Well, I would think it'd be math. Cause you know, a, <laughs> one plus one is two, right? Like you can't corrupt that. But he, but this guy was, was making the <laughs> argument. Let me say it this way was making the argument that math had been completely corrupted, you know, through the idea of imaginary numbers, through the idea of, right. um, uh, um, infinities and, and all mm-hmm. these like kind of crazy stuff that, that, that honestly leads to things like calculus, but he's like, we could figure out calculus without all these, you know, little cheats. Um, but we can, but what, but what happened, the, the downstream of that is that then it corrupts science. It, and it all happened around the same time, like around the late 19th, early 20th century where right. all of this stuff just kind of got corrupted. And we thought we were too, we were too smart for our own britches and Einstein happens and, and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, we were, we got our ladder up the wrong 
wall, man. We're, we're not looking at this right. Because it should be simpler. It sh- when, when, we, when we look out into the universe with these new telescopes and these new technologies, or we look down into the universe with these new microscopes and new technologies, like we shouldn't be more confused. It should be fractal in nature. It should exactly. fi- we should be able to figure it out. Exactly. There was a, I was having a conversation with somebody on, online the other day, and he was asking about the nature of electrons and particles. And when he said that, I realized, well, wait a minute, this actually should be fairly easy to figure out if we can just get our thinking straight. Because if everything is fractal, and I believe it is, what an electron is should be manifest in the real world or in the macroscopic world. Right. So we just need to look around us and we'll find the corollary to an electron around us. We just have to adjust our thinking into a fractal mindset, you know, to where we realize that the scaling of all things is visible around us. And, and so since electrons are so powerfully small, maybe we just need to look at a really, really, really big version of it. And maybe that's where James Webb is really going to help out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. Cause my, my, you know, my thought is, or my th- my hypothesis, we'll put it that way. My hypothesis is that when we start looking at it differently, when we start thinking of it um, in that way, that we'll find out that things like energy retrieval, things like um, being able to like being able to access the energy of the sun or being able to access the energy of water, uh, being able to access the energy of, of atoms will become far simpler, far right. less violent, and and far easier than than we ever imagined. That's my hypothesis. I don't know if I'm right, but but it seems like we really overcomplicate things by trying to bang things together and including ideas. I, I agree. Well, think about this: Does nature do anything the hard way? No. no. No, you're, when you said that we complicate things, that is exactly right. We absolutely complicate things. In fact, that's going back to the Sapphire Project. That was one of their motivation, one of their philosophical motivations, is that they didn't want to complicate what nature did with plasma and electricity. They wanted to follow what nature did and see what happens. They right. wanted to recreate nature, not force it to do something like, you know, some of these, the, the ITER uh, reactors that are being built where they, they force matter to smash into each other. They just said, no, we're going to recreate the sun in a jar and see what happens and be able to measure it in ways that we could never do with our own sun. And that's what they found out. They found transmutation of elements. They found idea breaking scenarios it was amazing absolutely right just mind-blowing what they found and all they did they followed nature they didn't try and force their will upon it absolutely i i think that i think that's right i think um yeah i man we we we're are so full of hubris in so many ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's really frustrating. It, it, it's, and, and that hubris becomes a block to everything that we really want. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Um, and then we just... How many times have, have you and I just sat like the little kid on the parade route pointing our finger going, hey guys, the emperor has no clothes. Right. <laughs> and you're just like, guys, how many times do we have to go through this? It's not even the same emperor. It's like one emperor walks by naked and another one walks by and another one. one walks by. You're like, guys, everyone's naked. All the emperors right. are naked. It's right. It, it's like, just pay attention to what nature does. Stop forcing it. Yeah. And you'll see the truth. Man, Do you, are you you familiar with the work of Victor Schauberger? I'm not. No. Oh, he was another one of these marvelous people that just got his ego out of the way. He was a essentially a water scientist, a, a naturalist, uh, back in Bavaria, Germany. I'm trying to think of exactly where he was, turn of the century. But he would study streams of water and learned the best way to 
log to send logs through water, okay. which actually contributed to the, the industry of logging. It, it really greatly increased it. And you can have your own opinion about that. But he studied the attributes of water and his one of his main mantras is look to nature and then copy. Right. Yes. Observe nature and then copy. But there, there's yeah. a fantastic uh, documentary on him. Just look up Victor Schauberger. And you'll, just, you'll spend a lovely hour learning about <laughs> things you had no idea about. You're like, wow, I didn't know water could do that. That's, and all he did was just observe. You know, copy. it reminds me that, um, and I don't know the gentleman's name, but um, I don't know if you've heard of the concept of like, um, and I promise this, this, uh, <laughs> I'm not going in a weird direction. The other one might seem it, um, but the concept of like, um, not inverted, but in, inclined sleeping, like sleeping with your, um, at an angle. Oh, um, have you heard right. of this before? Uh, I don't think I have. I okay. know people. Have, okay, go ahead. So, um, so the, so the, here's the, the idea is that you maybe lift your head up um, six to eight inches. And it's not just your head. Like, like in other words, a lot of times hospital bed or something will lift your head up, but no, you want to be at an angle. So that your feet are down and you're at a flat angle, um, about six, uh, six to eight inches up. Um, and how, and, and it does like incredible things for your body. And, and I'll explain what it is, but, um, well, for example, it gets rid of varicose veins. Um, oh. it allows, um, flow like blood flow to work better um like um you're actually able to get more by having your head elevated and this is what was really interesting by having your head elevated it allowed your um allow blood flow to get to your brain while you're sleeping easier than if you're laying flat and it seems kind of counterintuitive but here's here's the theory and this is how it came about um, and there's other lots of other health benefits, and you can see, like for example, um, Egyptian mummies in their in their um, in their beds, the kings and stuff. Their their beds are set at an angle in that direction. Um, yeah. And there's all kinds of like evidence that 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 we kind of knew this in the past, but we didn't understand why. Again, he he's not like a, a physiologist or somebody who studies the body. Um, right. He's an engineer. This guy was an engineer, and he had, he just had a thought of like, why are trees tall? Like what a fundamental oh. thought, right? Like that, it kind of doesn't like, like why do trees spend so much energy being tall? There must be some advantage evolutionary wise that why they're, why they're tall. Right. And, um, so he studied and studied and he, what he figured out was that, um, as, in, as trees would, um, so, so, so the leaves of the trees would, would expel oxygen. Right. And what that did was would it would, it would get rid of the, of the water that's, that's, that it, it had basically brought up from the roots. Well, how do you get the water from the roots to the leaves? Because a great question. Yeah. Cause you can't do it just by, just by, it doesn't suck it up, you know? Right. But here's what, here's what would happen is that, so the oxygen would be released from the leaves. It then it concentrates the, into sap, what we call sap. Sap is heavier than water. So the sap goes down and the water rises just right in proportion with the sap. And so it's able to get up to the leaves. And so now the leaves have a better chance because they can get better sunlight and all of these things. Well, that's all fine. And, and this is why I love, again, tinkers and engineers. I love them because then, then they think outside the box. They think, well, okay, then, I mean, we're pretty tall for, uh, for animals. Maybe there's a reason why we're tall. Right. Um, other than, you know, we have two eyes and we can see over stuff like that. That's kind of obvious, but, but for example, the heart isn't strong enough to pump the blood through the body the way we think it is. Um, this yeah and so it's yep. the, but it's the same exact concept as we expel co2 it concentrates our blood which then drops down which brings the blood up and so when we spend you know six to ten hours a day lying on our side 
it's not helping our circulation at all. It's literally creating pools and not doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah, how many times have um, you heard of blood pooling problems? That's why right. people wear and, elastic and so, socks and whatnot. And exactly. And so if you're able to just elevate elevate a bit so you're not so you're uncomfortable. Um, and I've done this. It's actually quite I'll tell you, like I had some incredible pain in my shoulders all the time for years and years. It was awful. And I tried it and within a week, the pain in my shoulder was completely gone. Wow. Um, but my That's point in telling you this story and tell, telling you this, this idea is like, it goes back to what you were saying. If we follow nature and follow it all the way up and all the way down, if we follow it in that matter, we'll find these patterns that, that we can utilize and use for our own benefit. Right. Well, that's interesting. I had, I had read another, get this, a completely different reason how the water gets from the roots to the leaves. Oh, wow. Trees. Completely different. I am not, it, it, it's amazing, but both of them, both the inverted idea that you're talking about with the gas exchange right. and the one that I read out just has to do with something called easy water are both examples of simplicity right and i'm just like wait a minute is it just the position you're in and or easy water well if it is that makes sense because it's yep. simplicity it's just a, a, it's not a, a vastly complex thing it's something that can easily be understood well, i'm gonna Absolutely. look into that. that that's really cool it, it it was really fascinating to me and and it, it, it's one of those things that you know, I'm like, well, what's the, um, you know, what's the Ben Franklin on this one? Like, what's the risk of, of trying it? And what, it doesn't work? <laughs> you know, it's right. like, this is, this is an easy one to try. Just raise the bed up. Okay, I can do that. So what, um, how did you do it? Did you just get a thicker pillow or what did you do? No, no, I got, because, because you want the, you want your entire mattress to be at the angle. Like you don't want to bend in the mattress if you can help it. So what I did is I took some, I just got some bricks and I put them underneath the frame and just raised the, t- the, the top up. I mean, so it's as the, simple as that. Really? Yeah. yeah. So the, so the bed frame was, was tilted. Right. So the entire bed, yeah, exactly. So you're, you're, you're at a, you know, I don't know what that would be. Nine degrees, 10 degrees, you know, whatever, 12 degrees, something like that. You're, you're just, you're, yeah, you're angled instead of laying flat. You're, oh, you're I'm, angled. I'm so going to go do this. <laughs> right? <laughs> I am so going to go do this. That is amazingly simple. Yeah. Because my wife has been complaining about how she's been sleeping. And she came downstairs and slept. And what's interesting is the downstairs couch where she was sleeping has more pillows on it. So she was actually not flat. Oh, right. Yep. I am By the so way, going to do this with my bed. Uh, and and, and you maybe Look a little TM, TMI here, but I'll tell you another thing that that helped immediately. Like first night, I slept all through the night. I, and I'm, yeah. I'm a tosser and turner. Like I struggle sleeping. Um, I, I'm not one of those that has to get up four times to go to the bathroom, but maybe once or twice I got to get up to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Not once. Not once. Because the, uh, the, 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 the circulation, I mean, that's my theory. That's what he says. And I, and I tend to believe it. The circulation is working. It, I don't have to go to the bathroom. I, it, it's just, so yeah, total recommend <laughs> for everybody listening. Wow. Let's see. It's not, I'm just looking that up or I just, it's not called inverted sleeping. I'll bet it's inclined. Inclined sleeping. Yeah. Inclined, er, inclined bed. Um, yeah, there, you know, and it's funny, like you can tell the guy is like, he's just some engineer. He, he's like, okay, yeah. And you can buy my, you know, he, you know, some people would say, well, he's trying to sell a product. He's like, yeah, well, he, he created something to help your bed get inclined, you know, but, but he's telling you exactly how to do it if you want to do it yourself. Um, huh. And, you know, it's just, to me, it's, it's those simple things. It's those easy things that you go, that you don't think of. They go, wow. Okay. Right. I mean, and again, what's your cost? What's your uh, cost benefit analysis on that? It's pretty low. It's you know, pretty it's like low. I mean, putting a couple right. bricks under the head of your bed—that's it, right? You know. So I just looked this up uh, just on Google. It says helps improve glymphatic drainage. 
I've never seen the word glymphatic before. (laughs) (laughs) I just learned something. So I'm going to look into this. Right on. Well, I'm going to look into it. And then, of course, like you said, I'm going to tinker with it. I'm actually going to try it. See what. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. The the, crazy thing. If this works the way you think it does. Well, and, and you know, it's funny. It's like our, our body, like, like every, it goes back to what you said, like follow nature. Like, like we're not meant to be sitting at desks, you know, staring at walls with, with, you know, no UV, no vitamin D, you know, artificial lights, you know, we're supposed to be outside practically naked, you know, with sunlight bearing down upon us, you know, for a long period of time. I mean, right. that, that's how, that's how our ancestors were. And, and, and to think like, you know, we're that much different is again, kind of hubris and, and, and very much um, like not in line with, with no, it's, it's not, science. Well, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. Well, the other thing is that speaking of what we should be like is a Clint Ober's idea of wearing plastic and rubber shoes all the time and losing mm. our connection to the earth. Oh, and yes. This, this is the whole concept of grounding. Yes. And earth. I've, I've heard of this. So, and cool. I, I haven't tried it. I mean, other than like you can go barefoot <laughs> once in a while, but like, yeah, talk, talk about that. Like, like oh. the benefits of grounding are, are supposed to be pretty incredible, right? Oh, they are. This is when I, when I, heard this a couple of years ago it just resonated you know how when you hear things and they're right they resonate this one hit hard it is the simple idea well that you cannot develop inflammation when you're grounded that's the bottom line that's the punchline. now what you need to know is that time magazine did an article in fact this just came up on my facebook feed from clint ober that it was 20 years ago that Time Magazine had a front page story about how inflammation was basically the center of all disease. Okay, Infl- yeah, I believe talking, that. I, I mean, yeah. everyone knows inflammation, like if you get a bee sting, it swells up or a mosquito bite. This is talking specifically about internal inflammation in the body, stuff that you can't see. But when it hits, it manifests as all sorts of different problems. Anything... Any disease that ends in itis, like tonsillitis, is an right. inflammatory Arthritis. disease. Arthritis. <laughs> Arthritis, appendicitis, all of those are inflammatory diseases. And what happens is, and this is just, again, it's an amazingly simple thing. Your immune system goes out and does its job, but the way that it does it is it sends out the killer T-cells, but on the molecular level, what they do is they steal electrons from the invaders, from the enemy, okay? And by okay. stealing electrons, it disrupts the cellular membrane and the cells just dissolve. And so your, your problem is taken care of. But here's the thing, is if there's more, uh, how can I say this? That's It's not... If there's more soldiers than enemies, the soldiers will start stealing electrons from yourself, from your own body, from your body cells. And this causes cascading inflammation. It'll start off the inflammatory response again. And the only way that stops is if your body has... what's what's... Again, again, everything's connected, right? Right. So what I love about that is that just deeply connects to, you know, our ideas about the electric universe, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So anything that ends in itis is an inflammatory disease. The way it works is that your body's immune system sends out soldiers to attack invaders. You know, that's, that's the story. And the way they do that is they steal electrons from the invaders which means that that cell of the invaders just falls apart because the electrons are part of what makes it. The problem is, is if there's more soldiers than invaders, the soldiers start stealing electrons from your own body, which causes cascading 
uh, reoccurring chronic problems of inflammatory disease. The only way that process stops is if you have an excess of electrons in your body. And of course, you get that from the foods you eat, what, right? And from being outside and absorbing sunlight. But it also right. happens when you're in touch with the earth because the earth is negatively charged. It's a reservoir of electrons. So if you're barefoot outside and not walking on asphalt, but in touch with the earth, the ground, you know, sand, water, dirt, you're absorbing the amount of electrons that you need to stop the inflammation process, to stop your body's immune system from overexerting itself. Wow. And, and, I, and I, I came to this knowledge again just by tinkering i noticed that when i would plant in my garden when i'd get down on my hands and knees and till the soil with my hands planting flowers and vegetables and whatnot i was working outside and usually when you work outside you get tired and you get sunbaked but i would get invigorated huh. i'm like wait a minute i've been out here for like two hours and i'm invigorated how is that possible and I just chalked it up as, as nothing and I let it go. And a years later, I did it again and the same thing happened. And then I found Clint Ober's work where he talks about grounding, how he says that we're constantly separated from the earth with these rubber shoes that we wear. And he says, just take your shoes off. Watch what happens. And as wow. soon as he said that, I'm like, boom, that clicked and it worked. And I'm like, okay, I'm going barefoot now. And a lot of people don't like going barefoot. I don't actually like going barefoot. So he created these flip-flops that are actually conductive, and you can wear those if you don't like going barefoot. That's he insane. Also, That's he also created bed sheets. Bed sheets <sighs> you plug into the wall. They don't attach. They don't connect to the power. They connect to the ground outlet of your wall, so you can okay. literally sleep grounded. Okay, which is, this is what I've done for like a year. Oh my gosh. And and you you felt a big difference from oh doing that. Oh my gosh, yes. Okay, I'm totally doing this. So, here's here's and, and again, this cuz another little again, these are like again, cost benefit analysis. There's nothing to lose by trying this stuff. Walking you know, barefoot all, doesn't cost anything. Right. It, it it's literally, nothing. you know, it goes back to the Old Testament looking at this looking at the snake and being healed. Like it's these simple right. little things. Another thing that, um, I, uh, that I've heard is just staring at the sun, being outside staring. Cause again, this is, I mean, it makes sense. I could tell you why that works. Tell me. <laughs> so son, my brother has done this. So sun staring is done at a very specific time of day. It's done when the sun is low on the horizon not straight up now maybe other people right. do it up but he when he did this practice he followed people you stare at it so you don't you know burn your eyes because you can literally do that right but what goes on well part of what goes on there's probably more to it is that the earth i'm sorry the sun puts out all sorts of infrared ultraviolet and visible light spectrum what's interesting is that the infrared when it hits us, it creates what's called easy water. It is a special, is a fourth phase of water. And this has been studied. Uh, Gerald Pollack can give you all the information you need on this. Easy water is like a, it's kind of like egg yolk in its consistency. Okay. But it is charged. Now that may not be interesting to anybody, except if you study water, you know that water doesn't carry a net negative or net charge. Right. It's neutral. It's neutral. Right. Easy water is charged. It has a net negative potential. And wow. what's interesting is if you back up in the cellular process, you know, everyone studies the Krebs cycle and about how there's uh, exchanges of, of ions and it creates ATP and ATP is the energy of the body. No, easy water is the energy of the body. That's where ATP gets its energy from. And get easy water by standing in the sun. That's the sunlight so creates the easy water inside of our cells through which the Krebs cycle is able to create ATP and we live. 
it's easy water. And the thing of it is, you don't have to stand in the sun. It's just infrared light. Infrared light is all around us all of the time. That's why people can still live in caves and still survive. And, and they did. I mean, our ancestor did this when they were, you know, surviving the, uh, the catastrophic, the cat <laughs> catastrophes, right. you know, about, of about 12,000 years ago. Right. Infrared lights everywhere and it creates easy water inside our cells and thus we live. It's, it's, so, it's another one of these amazingly simple things that, I, that people know about. I, I mean, that scientists know about, but it just gets, it doesn't gain any traction for well, some reason. Here's the problem because it's, and this is, this is again, goes back to like our pride because it's so simple. It's like, we're just can't, like, nah, uh, it can't be, it can't be like, that's too good to be true. Right. You know, cause we, cause we all have that mini shaft syndrome of being burned by something that's too good to be true. Right. But man, it, it, sometimes we just have to like, just let go of that and just try these, like, again, do a cost benefit analysis and like, what's the cost? It's not very, so, it's not right. very high. So here it is. So with easy water and with grounding, here's what my life looks like. Easy water is created on hydrophilic substances. So glass, metal, and of course your cells. So upstairs, I've got a glass carafe that we use. It's just, it's clear. That is sitting on our, our countertop. That's the water that all of us drink. Okay. My wife has had us off tap water for years and it, it, it doesn't matter, but we have distilled water in a glass carafe. It's absorbing uh, infrared light. We sleep on a grounded sheet every single night. Wow. Just simple, simple little things. So we, we don't even think about it. It's not like we have to like, oh, it's time to take my vitamins. Oh, it's time to take my supplements. It's simple water that is in a glass container sitting on the countertop. That's it. That's all and, it takes to create easy water. And because my mind is pretty simple <laughs> i mean i mean i mean or, or maybe it's because i'm a musician so i think of like stuff like that. this that we'll go with that but uh, like of, and, and i'm sure you've you thought the same thing like what's the common denominator in all this stuff absolutely that we're talking about yep it's electricity it it's is that we are electrical beings the yep. sun is electrical the earth is electrical and and when we again you look at nature and use nature as it's meant to be, it's way easier. We right. make it so hard on ourselves. We do. We absolutely overcomplexify everything. The yeah. answers are simple. Again, it goes back to that statement I said before. Does nature do anything the hard way? No. It it almost can't do things the hard way. Right. We do it the hard way. And yes, we are a part of nature. So I guess nature can do things the hard way, but you know, not, not directly. But it's our, it's our, you know, it's that, that great blessing of free will that gets in the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword to be right. sure. Yeah. Because we're allowed to choose like, like that's the, that's the difference is the animals and the plants. Like, it's not like they're choosing, Oh, today, am I going to look at the sun? You know, <laughs> where we have to like actually make that choice. Right. Know? Exactly. Um, I mean, and, and there's so much, it, I mean, we could go on for days about, about this stuff because there is, I mean, everything is electric. Everything is about magnetic currents, electrical currents, plasma like like that is like if you want to get down to the bottom line i'm just convinced that that's the bottom line that's our that's the too. the atom you know as the greeks would call it the 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 thing that can't be divisible you right. know it's 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 this idea that that you know electricity is somehow involved in every aspect and and man it's such a blind spot and in, in so many scientists on so many levels it is let me let me do one thing this is kind of me being really nitpicky here but i i want to kind of av avoid some of the hubris that i know some critics are going to voice they're going to say it's not electricity electricity has very specific functions so everything can't be electricity when we say when you and i say electricity what we actually mean is charge charge right. 
when you say what's the fundamental, you know, for ease, you and I will say electricity. We know what, what we mean. But when we say what we actually mean is charge, because you're right, electricity doesn't always flow the way we think it does, but charge always exists. Charges mm-hmm. in plasma, charge is what creates electricity. So, you know, just just to be clear, you know, if anyone's going to get cranky and say electricity is not the basis of everything, you know, they're right. But what we mean is charge. And I appreciate that clarification because you are right. That's exactly right. It's uh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm gonna. I say electricity. I don't say charge. I'm not trying to create correct the no, world. No, no, just... that's a great. That's a great clarification because charge. It is important to to, to, to distinguish those things. You know, I, I think definitions are important. So, um, I'm gonna keep saying electricity because it's it just sounds cool and I like it. It is cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm well, just I mean, go with the, that. I mean, and and yeah, and and again, it goes back to like what we were talking about at the very beginning, like these, these incredible, um, what am I going to say? Um, the, 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 the stuff that's available to us, the, the, the resources, let me say it that way, the resources that are just right in front of our eyes that we just need to learn how to tap into on on is is just right right there and and i i do think like this is my like white pill when it comes to science is i think there are scientists that they might not look at it the same way we do but they're coming to some of the same conclusions that like right this this may not be as uh difficult as we were making it exactly well i think one of the scientists the i'm going to call him an up and coming but i only mean that in terms of of coming to the same point of view that the universe is electric is uh, Michael Levin, the work of Michael Levin. Okay, yeah, he is just astounding. He he's a biologist, and you want to have your head blown. Wow, look at the work that he has done. I will. I just, yeah, absolutely. Just his his so amazing. He just has figured out that it is electric fields that you can take electric fields in a germinating organism and change their morphology change what it looks like by manipulating the electric fields around it which completely opens up or blows up the the previous idea that it was genes and gene coding (laughs) that created what we look like and what things look like right wow it's electric fields that do it yeah it is there it is Man, I'll definitely look that up. That's that's incredible. Got it. Got it. I'll have to check that out. That's oh, wait. If there's man. any way you can get him on your podcast, you need to get that guy on your podcast. He does oh, podcasts. I I will oh, if he does Michael podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we'll we'll do that. That'll be great. Well, Ben, I, our time is running short. Um, I love this conversation because we we kind of delved into a bunch of different stuff. I uh, these are the kind of conversations I enjoy because it's just you know. It's, it's all connected, but you know, it's got a little, it's got a little improv in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which we hit is the always flow the state magic. a few times. Hit the flow state. <laughs> got it. Let me leave you with one more thing. This is kind of a teaser. Go to ecatthenewfire.com. E, okay. the letter E, cat, like meow, 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 ecatthenewfire.com. This kind of goes back to what you said you wanted to talk about. <laughs> I mean, we've gone all over the board today. Oh, yeah. This this is, you'll see a video on there okay. of a light yeah. sitting next to a clock. This yep, light is being powered by cold fusion. It oh, has been burning awesome. continuously. Let's see, what is it? It should be up to about 120 days straight now. Cold fusion was never discounted except in the media. It was never scientifically disproven. But the media ran with it. They ran with the idea that it was BS. It was never discounted. It has now been relabeled as LENR, low energy nuclear reaction. That's incredible. And it has been put out there. It's built. It's being sold. And here it is. Ecat, oh, watch man. this video. Watch this okay. guy. Andrea and I will Rossi. definitely put He's... this in the show show notes as well. Absolutely, do it. It's awesome. All right. 
cool, man. Well, Ben, thank you. I, I love having you on. Your unique take on science and, and all things human is wonderful. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Yeah, let's, let's do it again, man, for sure. Anytime. Have all right. You are listening to End of Love Remain. First of 23 installments requested by Dr. Levitt. Trying to be in compliance here because we're taking him and that whole organization down.